0: Welcome to Pursuing Quality Long-Term Care, an educational podcast for individuals needing long-term care and their families. In this episode, join us as we speak about this year's Residents' Rights Month theme, Inspiring Unity Within Our Community. Lori Smetanka, executive director at Consumer Voice, and Jocelyn Bogdan, senior policy specialist at Consumer Voice, will discuss why having a community is important, how residents can exercise their rights around their community, and examples of ways residents, families, and staff can help build a community for residents living in long-term care. Hey, welcome to
1: today's edition of Pursuing Quality Long-Term Care. I'm Laurie the Executive Director of the National Consumer Voice for Quality Long-Term Care, and joining me today to have a conversation about Residence Rights Month and Residence Rights, um, and actually uh, what our theme is for this year, Inspiring Unity Within Our Community, is Jocelyn Bogdan, who's a Senior Policy Specialist with the Consumer Voice. Hi, Jocelyn, welcome. Hi, thanks. So, um, October is Residence Rights Month. Um, For decades, the Consumer Voice has designated October as a month where we could really focus on residence rights, talking about the importance of it, how we really need to focus on rights to honor residents in long-term care, and how it's an opportunity to focus on the commitment to recognize and value the rights of each individual who's living in a long-term care facility, and remind ourselves that everyone needs to be treated with dignity and respect, and that we do have rights that we can assert as uh, not just a resident of a long-term care facility, but as a member of the community and as a human being. And this month's theme, um, which we picked for this year, is inspiring unity within our community. And Jocelyn, can you talk a little bit about how we came to pick this theme for this year and what went into that?
2: Sure. I mean, I think you know, when you think about community, and we're talking about community on many different levels, the community within the facility, the wider community, friends and family, this theme felt particularly important this year. um, Because as we all know, I think the pandemic really caused an enormous amount of social isolation for residents. And this theme feels empowering, because it's empowering residents to rejoin and become parts of their communities again. Um, You know, at the at the start of the pandemic, when facilities were locked down, especially in that first year, we saw residents confined to their rooms. There was no communal dining. Residents, as everyone knows, weren't having visitors. And there was a huge decline in residents' health and well being. Um, people really lost their will to live. And I, you know, I remember talking to a family member who I think this is in late 2020 or early 2021, who said that, you know, her father, when when facilities reopened he had declined but he was so happy he it's like he kind of rebounded and recovered once the facilities reopened and they'd actually his facility had locked down again um and she said at that point during that second lockdown he really he lost his will to live and we heard so many stories about this that when people were cut off from their communities and from each other they just they suffered they fell into despair and into depression um And so, I mean, Laurie, I just, you know, I will throw it back to you a little bit because I don't want to make it sound like it was just the pandemic that did this. I know that social isolation has always existed to some extent in nursing homes. Um, And so this is always, I think, a relevant theme, but I think it's just particularly after what we've been through, empowering people to take part in communities is is special this year.
1: Yeah, well, and I think that that's right. And uh, isolation has been a long time issue for many residents. They we have heard them say that, you know, they feel that they are lost sometimes and, and not able to engage with um, members of their community, whether it be friends or church groups or civic groups or clubs or whatever it was that they may have participated in before they entered a nursing home. And I think the pandemic really highlighted that. And and like you, you know, I I think we talked to a number of residents and family members, particularly not only during the pandemic but particularly after the pandemic who were just so happy to see their members uh, the members of their community within the facility and outside the facility again after and it really did highlight how important it is that you feel connected to people that you feel connected to the people around you and and the the community that you live in
2: yeah, um, I think that's right. Sorry, I mean to interrupt, not, but um I I think that's right. And even residents who I've spoken to who are who are quite COVID cautious and who appreciate safety measures, they were so relieved to be able to eat dinner again with friends and to be able to talk to other people in their facility and to be able to be part of that community that exists within their nursing home. But we've also talked recently to residents who are talking and they're concerned about transport because they're ready and excited to be outside of their nursing homes again as well too. So, mm-hmm. and I think that that's
1: a good point, which is that community takes on different levels, right? So, it's not only um, the people that you're with in the nursing home. And as we collected a number of residents' voice entries for Residents' Rights Month this year, which um, to our listeners, you can see the residents' voice entries on our website at www.theconsumervoice.org. But many of them talked about community as being. Um, the people within their nursing home, their, their res, the residents, the staff that they connect with on a daily basis. Um, but it also is people outside of the community. And, you know, you shouldn't think of nursing homes as other than like an, an, an us versus them type of scenario, like we're all part of one larger community. And so how can you engage kind of in a broader way also?
2: Right. I think that's a really good point. And I think, you know, a lot of people think that when you, when, when you enter a nursing home, that that kind of becomes your universe. And I think part of this month's Residence Rights Month is to sort of, you know, again, emphasize that isn't true, that you should be living the same type of life that you were living before when you enter the facility to the greatest extent possible. Um, you know, that, that you still are part of that larger community that if you went to church beforehand, you should, the nursing home should try to help you if you're able to continue to go to church. And I mean, if you do that within the nursing home or if they can help you organize transport to um, the church that you attended before, um, you know, attending family gatherings, things like that, all of that should still be able to occur once you enter your nursing home. Um, and I think that kind of brings us into a little bit into the residents' rights portion of this conversation um, and and how this sort of ties into that. Um, Absolutely.
1: So. And, and so let's talk about that a little bit, which, you know, that residents do have the right to continue to engage in their community, right? And there are a number of specific rights that they're guaranteed under federal and, and many state laws that will enhance that. And so do you want to touch off on one of them?
2: Yeah, sure. So, I mean, the one thing I think we need to remember is that, is that even this being part of community is part of sort of the larger goal when people are in nursing homes, they still have the right to really live their best life possible. Um, And so the first right, which is really an overarching right that I want to mention, is the right to receive care and services to obtain your highest level of well-being. And this involves a lot of different things. It basically means that when you enter a nursing home, you shouldn't decline. If you come in as somebody who's able to walk around in the facility, you shouldn't suddenly need a wheelchair unless there's a medical condition or a reason for that. But it's also really about Every resident receiving the individualized person-centered care that they deserve so that they can live their life to the highest, or live the highest quality of life that's possible to them. Um, and so I think, you know, whenever we frame residents' rights, it's, it's important to remember that that's sort of the overarching point of all of this. And, uh-huh. um, you know, I think if you want to talk a little bit, the right to self-determination, um, which includes uh-huh. a lot of different pieces that sort of feed into that.
1: Well, sure. So, you know, certainly one of the parts of living your best life is to be able to choose how you live your life and, and with whom you're going to spend time and what kind of activities you're going to participate in and, and continue to explore your interests, um, live life on your own schedule. And, and that's a really important part of self determination. So, you should be able to continue to engage in the types of things that you enjoyed doing before you entered a nursing home. So if that meant being part of community groups or a church group or visiting with friends or family, um, that is something that you should continue to do and to have access to different kinds of programming and and different members of the community, whether, again, that they're brought into the nursing home or whether you're able to go out or some combination um, of that. But that definitely is an important part of the right to self-determination. Too often, we find that residents are being... Being asked to adapt to their lives to the nursing home that they're in, when in reality, the nursing home should try to adapt to the resident's life and the resident's schedule.
2: Right, you know, it's funny, I remember you saying somewhere last year, hearing you say um, that, you know, you'd spoken to residents who talked to, who, who had left facilities, who had rejoined, like, the greater community, And they said to you that they were so relieved because they could live life on their schedule again instead of having to live life on the facility schedule and that is not how nursing homes are supposed to be functioning. Nursing homes are supposed to adapt to the resident and ensure that they can do the things that they want to do, and they can live the type of life that they want to live. If somebody's an early riser and wants to wake up early in the morning and you know sit by the window and read, the nursing home should try to make that happen for them. If somebody wants to be able to attend events that are happening at a senior center down the street, then the facility should do what they can to make that happen for them instead of telling the resident, oh, no, you know, we can't do this, or this isn't going to fit in with the way things are scheduled here. They should really be working to make sure that what each resident wants is, you know, facilitated as much as possible for them.
1: Absolutely. I know one resident who makes it a point to leave her nursing home every day to go out to an event, um, Fortunately, she's able to be mobile with her wheelchair, and she goes to the library, and she goes shopping, and she attends the markets, and she, you know, interacts with the other members in her in her small town that she lives in. And it's something that has been very important to her to be able to come and go um, as as she pleases. And um, certainly understanding that you know some residents need more help than others to be able to attend. But you know the nursing home should do what they can to assist the residents um, to continue to engage in the different activities that, that they um, want to participate in. And, you know, even when you think about exploring interests, um, again, they, the, the interest can be explored both in the nursing home and outside of the nursing home, right? And so, you know, there are ways that, you know, that residents um, can uh, be exposed to different activities and events and um, and different things to do to explore those interests by not only going out to to programming but even to bring programming in to them.
2: Right, and and so one other right uh, I think we wanted to touch on was the right to resident and family councils and. Yep. You know, I think it's important to sort of understand that that there are many rights these councils have and I don't want to, you know, blow past that. The facility has to ensure space for them to meet and, um, you know, they have to be able to, you know, let other members know what's going on. Um, And I know a lot of people when they think about, and even when we tell residents, you know, join your family council, or we tell family members, start a family council, we're usually doing that coming from the perspective of there's a problem, and we want to solve that problem, you know, you have a grievance, and I often say to people, you know, if you're having this problem, other people are probably having this problem, so work with your council, but these councils, in addition to being a place to voice those grievances, are also a place to come together and foster community. Um, And, you know, this can be done, again, inside or outside of the facility, but particularly inside of the facility. They can invite people in, they can schedule events. Um, I was talking to someone recently who was talking about that, about You know, their family council is scheduling barbecues and different events for the staff and the residents um, to come together and enjoy. I mean, it's a good way to sort of lift up staff members who we know are really struggling right now in understaffed facilities. Um, So it's important to think about how if you have a resident or family council, you can use them to help foster that community. And if you don't have a resident or family council, you should work with your state long-term care or with your local long-term care ombudsman program to get one started. But yeah, Absolutely. And uh, uh, many resident councils
1: will invite members in or members of the community and or or medical professionals or others to to talk to them about different issues to um, they get engaged in the facility, as you're saying, with not only activities, but recognition events um, for each other and for staff. Um, and they really become an integral part of how that facility operates. And and right. it really does build community. Um, many residents, you know, resident councils have, and working with the facilities have even, you know, we're in a time of an election, have even invited in candidates for public office to come in and speak and, and hold forums or work to make make their facilities a, a voting center. Um, so there are a lot of ways that, that the councils um, really help to foster community.
2: Yeah, and I think especially because we're talking about residents' rights, um that's something else that they can do. You know, and I've recommended this to people, have your council bring in an ombudsman to educate other people on what your rights are and then you can work to educate the larger facility on those things. Um But there, I mean, there are all sorts of events and things that your council can plan. And I think we just wanted to maybe touch on a few different ideas. Um, And I think Uh the ideas are really limitless. So I don't want to go through a list and make suggestions. Um, One thing I think, especially... As we slowly come out of the pandemic, um, that I think is a really cool way to get involved in the community is inviting local children to come in. You know, Halloween is coming up for trick or treating or to celebrate Valentine's Day. I know that when my eight year old was in preschool um, here in DC, his preschool was right across the street from a nursing home. And at Halloween, all of the kids learned Halloween songs and then they marched across the street in their costumes and they performed for the residents in the nursing home and everyone loved it. The kids were excited, the residents were excited. They did the same thing on Valentine's Day and they handed out Valentine's cards they had made. But you know, I think, especially when you think about little kids, often little kids are separated from their grandparents and their great-grandparents and often people in nursing homes are separated from their grandchildren and great-grandchildren. So that's a really nice way to sort of bring the community in, um for people especially who can't go out and enjoy certain activities but but there are so many different things that you can do um you know you can start a book club or a movie club my grandmother loved watching movies when she was in a nursing home with other residents it was her favorite activity and they would talk about the movies um yeah yeah absolutely um and and I mentioned
1: you know bringing in the community leaders or musicians um you know I I know that that is is something that uh, nursing homes have done quite a bit is invite local artists to come in and um, and perform concerts, for example, or or short skits or plays for the residents. But you know, they can e- even come in and, and host classes for the residents. You know, if, mm-hmm. if residents are interested in learning to paint or creative writing or whatever storytelling or whatever the case may be, um, local artists or instructors can be brought in to assist
2: them and and hold
1: classes um, as well.
2: You know, another great idea I heard about recently, and this really goes to knowing knowing who you're living with and knowing who else is in your facility is um, starting a residence wall where, you know, every month you feature another resident and, you know, residents who are interested in participating in this, of course, but putting up a picture of the resident and maybe writing some of the things they like and don't like, because I know it can be really hard other than maybe if you have a roommate or the people in the rooms right around you to really get to know the people in your facility. And there might be someone there who you have a lot in common with. And so I think it's a great idea to feature, you know, what different residents are interested in and what they do and to sort of highlight different people, um, you know, throughout the year, throughout the month, as yeah. often as you want to. That's, that's really a great
1: idea. And, um, you know, I've even heard of of um, facilities that have kind of taken a, an idea like that and um, asked the residents during, you know, an activity for you know, for the larger community within the facility, ask the resident to talk about the things that they're interested in or something, you know, cultural that was important to them, or even um, created like a meal that they could share, you know, helped them create a meal or participate in creating a meal or or a cultural food that they could then share um, with the other residents so that They they did get to know each other or share music or, you know, things from that are cultural to them that that they could share with the other residents that would be important um, to each. other. Yeah,
2: that's a great idea. I mean, something else I was going to mention, you know, relate kind of related to that um, is, you know, having theme dinners or having, you know, I mean, it's important to really, you know, as we list different options, think about what works for your nursing home, your facility, you know, People where you live might love barbecue or hate it, you know, so having a barbecue might not be the best idea. Maybe an afternoon tea would be better. But, you know, as as we're talking about people getting to know each other, it just made me think about um, the um, placemats that we have this month for Residence Rights Month available on our website that have different Um, they're, you know, just dinner placemats, um, but they have questions that you can ask other people sitting at your table when you're eating, um, just to sort of start conversation. And that's something that, you know, I know they sell a million different books that do this today, um, you know, that have conversation starters and little cards that you can have sitting on the dinner table so that it fosters that community that's there in the facility for you
1: yeah you know i think that as we talk about um you know community and how um, it really helps to engage people it helps them assert their rights um you know and and helps them live their lives most fully it improves their quality of life i i think as you mentioned from the very beginning that was an important part of what we saw um during the pandemic is is how lack of community and, and isolation really does impact a person's not only psychosocial and mental well-being, but also their physical well-being. That was really mm-hmm. critical. And it's important to remember, you know, that, you know, definitely it's it's critical that family members um, and others are able to um, come back into the facilities and, and be with their loved ones, but a significant number, probably the majority of residents in long-term care facilities do not have family right. or, or that live close by or are able to visit, um, which makes it even more important for them to find community in other ways, whether it be with other residents or staff or in their broader community in which they live, their town or their their, their local area, um, because we all do need to connect. And I think we've also found that having um, community engaged in a long term care facility in a meaningful way, also enhances quality of care, right, because they're looking out for each other. Um, And, and, you know, you have Um, you know, not only family, but others that are coming to visit church groups that are coming to visit or or other groups that are coming to visit. And not only are they looking out for the specific residents that they might be connected to, but they're looking out for everyone else in the facility as well. And so, um, you know, connecting to the community is really important for that reason also.
2: Right. And I also just want to mention, and and again, this is as we saw through the pandemic, this is never a solution for in-person community. But the one thing the pandemic did provide, and I think sort of um, speed up um, in some ways, is the world of social media and computers and being connected And so that is, for some people, um, you know, because every, just like every person, every resident is different. For some people, they might feel more comfortable being part of an online community. And that is also something that should be able to continue. You, I mean, I started connecting to people I hadn't seen in years um, during the pandemic over (laughs) Zoom. um, And we connect with a lot of residents on Zoom. And now we know there are residents connecting with each other on Zoom. Um, So while, again, it is not a substitute for in-person contact and in in-person relationships, it is important to acknowledge the part that social media can play in forming communities for people today.
1: Absolutely, um, and I want to I want to give a shout out to what you just mentioned with respect to residents connecting with each other on Zoom and the resident advisory council that you know we've pulled together where residents are able to talk with each other to share stories and experiences and frankly even provide supports to each other as we've you know been seeing on some of the calls and you know if our listeners um, are a resident who might be interested in connecting or know of a resident who might be interested in connecting. With with our, with other residents over um, Zoom um, or using technology, then they should reach out to us and they can email us at info at the consumervoice.org And we can work to, to engage the resident and connect them.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for mentioning that because, you know, we have, um, I guess, historically always had the consumer advisory council where we lead calls for um, residents and talk about different issues, but, but, you know again you know the pandemic sort of brought to light that it's important for residents to connect to each other so the people on our council now are also having resident led calls where the resident there's an issue that matters to them we did one on voting recently where where we as staff one of us is usually on the call our mic is off our camera is off we're on the call sort of with the consent of the residents um, and they just talk to each other about what's going on, and I think particularly for residents who were really advocates in their own facilities, who might be the only one who's advocating for certain things in their facilities, it's a really great opportunity for them to connect with other residents who are doing things sort of at the same level um, throughout the country. So it's been a really yeah. positive experience.
1: Yeah, that's great, and you've done a great job leading those calls. Um, so I think, you know, as we think about, um, you know, this month, this October of Residents' Rights Month, there are. There are certainly a lot of um, a lot of rights to be focused on, and people can get more information about residents' rights on our website. Again, it's at www.theconsumervoice.org. Um, they can see not only um, lists of rights and get more information, but um, look at you know past recordings um, and even other podcasts that we've done on residents' rights. They can you know connect with those, and and certainly as we look at you know, kind of moving through the rest of this month, we would strongly encourage members to really focus on how how they can work to enhance community within and outside of a nursing home so that more residents can be engaged um, in their community and we can have unity within the community as our theme. Um, So eloquently speaks to this year. So- Thanks for having a conversation with me about it, Jocelyn, and for all the work that you've been doing. And for folks that are listening, go to our website, again, www.theconsumervoice.org to get more information on residents' rights, on Residents' Rights Month, and also, as I mentioned earlier, to see the entries that we have received um, about the theme this year from residents across the country. There's some great artwork and poems and essays and just a lot of different things folks can look at. Um, to really inspire you about what residents are saying and and what this means to them. So with that, we'll close for the day. And uh, thanks to Jocelyn for joining me and for Katie for managing the recording today. And with that, we'll close. Take care.
0: Pursuing Quality Long-Term Care is a program of the Avoiding Drugs as Chemical Restraints Consumer Education Campaign, a partnership of the National Consumer Voice for Quality Long-Term Care and AARP Foundation. Make sure to visit our website, theconsumervoice.org slash pursuingquality, where you can share your story with us, subscribe to the podcast, and find more information about the campaign. If you enjoy the podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next episode. We'll